0: Josh Tomlinson ran the games and they were the rowdiest I have ever seen. We have some conservative churches that attend that event and we saw switch them kids up very quickly. Uh, which was amazing. Hey, a few changes. Um, it's the first time speaking. Uh, we have this, I don't even know what this is, a headset or a, I think a lapel is on. So I don't really know what to do with my hands. So um, we'll see. I might do a lot of this this morning. I don't know what to do really. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But at least I feel like I can, I feel like a bit like Beyonce, you know. I feel like I've, I've got potential. Beyonce was the wrong person to chose, but that, that, that's who came to my mind. I really don't know who else to pick, but hey, let's get into the Word uh, this morning. Last week, Pastor Nick spoke a very timely uh, sermon. We've been doing a little uh, mini-series called Firm Foundation. Uh, We're going to be doing it. We did it last week. We'll do it this week. Pastor Nick wants to clean it up uh, and and bring the series to a conclusion uh, over next week. But the Firm Foundation, what he spoke on last week was about the firm foundation of having security in God. And who here was absolutely challenged and felt that that was a word in season last week, who was here give us a wave, thought it was fantastic. For those that weren't here, what he talked about, one of the things that really spoke to me was not becoming uh, tricked by the performance trap, the approval trap, and the positional trap. As in what he was saying there was, don't let the false and incorrect interpretation of these things control your life. Because we know that because of Jesus, our performance, our approval, and our position has already been secured through the work on the cross. Amen. So we know that we can have our security in God. So this morning, I want to continue along the Firm Foundation series. And when we're hitting foundational things, what I want to talk about this morning to you guys is the foundational uh, thing that comes around worship and service. That is a foundational truth. Now, why I say truth and, and, and not truths as, as in pl- plural is I think that worship and and service to God actually, they go hand in hand. They are the one thing. You know, to sit in this room or to stand in this room and raise your hands in worship is as much an act of worship as putting on an orange jacket and going and meeting people as they arrive in the car park. Are you with me this morning? Do you agree with me this morning? So I want to talk about the foundational things of worship and service. But let's pray this morning. Dear God, I just pray right now, Lord God, that you will speak to everybody. Lord God, I thank you that you know every person in this room. You know where they're at. You know their situation. You know exactly what's going on. Lord, I pray that you will speak to everybody. Lord God, speak to their heart in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said, Amen. 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 Serving is a very particular thing. What is required when it comes to serving is selflessness, but what it causes is greatness. What is the making of you is actually what is done when it's not about you. Now what I want to do is I want to camp this morning at 1 Corinthians 28, 9 and 10. So I'm going to read it to you first and then I want to set up exactly what I want to talk about. Then I'll come back. We'll do the context. And then I believe that in this portion of scripture, there are at least three to four spiritual progressions, things that we can go back uh, home and we can have have a reflect upon our hearts and are we doing these things? So it reads this. In First Chronicles 28, 9, and 10, it says, And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors immediately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. So, a lot of you guys know I have three kids. And as they grow and as they mature and as I look at them, I'm so blessed and and beginning to try and work out their their different temperaments and and ways to meet them where they're at so I can try and be a a father uh, that loves them the way they they need to love. And and, um, I love Jai, my boy. You know, we've got three girls and there's two boys in our household and, and he absolutely blesses me. But, but let, me, let me give you an example just so you're aware, aware of his beautiful little heart. This week, um, now for those of you that either have had children or have a puppy in your house, you'll be able to relate to this. So we walk past the toilet this week and three quarters of a roll of toilet paper is on the ground. Has anybody ever experienced that? So we say to the four-year-old, you need to fix this problem. So I say to Jai, let's fix this problem. Now, in my mind, two things happen. One, you attempt to put the roll of toilet paper back on the roll. It's messy, it's annoying, but it's still functional. Does everybody who tries to do that? Or the other option, I thought, I'm happy if you get rid of the toilet paper and put it in the bin. This is my thought process. My four-year-old son goes, I will put the entire roll of toilet paper in the toilet, and I will flush the button, and I will fix the problem quickly. So I'm sitting on the couch and I begin to, see this, um, to hear this emotional, painful cry of absolute terror. So I quickly get up thinking something's happened. He's hurt himself. He's he slammed his finger in a door to arrive to see my toilet about to overflow. And my son, absolutely distraught at the fact the toilet's about to overflow. So in the middle of it, I pick him up. He's four. I say, mate, you're not in trouble. It's okay, we'll deal with the the flooding toilet. Didn't really know what to deal. For those of you that know I am a nurse, I am not handy at all. So really, I didn't know what to do. So as I'm holding Jai, he's crying and he's getting worse as it's getting higher and and I don't know what to do, but then all of a sudden it sucks through. And then the toilet is completely empty. And then Jai cries even more because now it's gone from too much water to not enough and he's absolutely distraught that the toilet is empty. So of course, we stand there looking at it for five minutes and he comes up with the idea, not me, let's flush it again. So we flush it again and it was restored back to normal. So this is his little heart. His little heart is that it's such for people. It's such for, you know, looking after others. And he has a genuinely soft heart. April, a period of time ago, came to Jai and she said to him, Hey Jai, I need you to clean your room. Now, this is John knowing that this wasn't in rebellion. It wasn't in rebellion. This is just what flowed out of who he is. He says, Why, mummy? Because you do it. And I was like, Father mode, huh? You know what I mean? You're like, Don't spoil the child, if you know what I'm saying. And um, so I head down there, and he, his heart was genuinely, I don't need to do it because mum gets it done. I started thinking about that. Do we sometimes sit in our messy room of life and God asks us to do something and we're like, well, God, it seems to get done already. It seems to get done uh, before I haven't really done anything. Do I really need to do it? You know, service is a very funny thing. When I started reflecting upon it this week, I thought, is my attitude like that? Do I come uh, and walk through life and come to this house and go into the community and I have a mentality where I feel I need to receive more from God than I need to give back to Him? Am I serving God or is God serving me? Because I know I was designed to serve him. I know I was born to be in relationship with him. But yet somehow, going through life, you pick up these subconscious habits that are not of God. They're not of, we're designed to serve him. But yet somehow we want the focus around ourselves. So this morning, I believe in that portion of Scripture, which I'm about to share with you, that there are some truths that we can go home and we can begin to reflect upon and think about and input into our life. It's almost like a health check this morning around the area of service. So let's look at 1 Chronicles. I love 1 Chronicles because 1 Chronicles is like an inspirational history. So what's happening is it's really, it's based around King David. King David was a very inspirational dude. I mean, you read all the stories from, from defeating Goliath, uh, you, you know, through to uh, establishing a united kingdom uh, in Israel. He'd done some things that, that, that people before had not been able to do. He was an influential king, but he was also one of Israel's greatest spiritual leaders. So in uh, Chronicles, it's all about inspiring the, the, the remnants of, of the Israel community. They're, 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 they've been through hard times. They've been through a lot of battles. Stuff has gone down and they have been reduced in numbers. But this is all about inspiring them to rebuild as a people and to rebuild the temple of God. So as you read through it, you can get inspired. He wanted to remind them about their heritage, that the spiritual heritage that they have in God. God had made a covenant right back in the early days, and that it was coming through, and that the divinic covenant, covenant that God had with David to establish his kingdom was happening. It was happening right then and there. So when you arrive at chapter 28, David is now really old. He's dying. In fact, if you were to look at this, it's actually his exit speech. So this is his, his last opportunity to influence the leaders that he has around him. He calls the guys that oversee the thousand, the guys that oversee the hundred. He's got all of his, his administrators and the, and the important people in his kingdom there. And he's old and he's going to take this opportunity to give them one final push forward towards the things of God. And it says there that he stands up, which is to give it extra significant. And in the middle of this address to his leaders, he turns to his son, Solomon. And he looks at him square in the eyes. Now, just a side note, as I began to ponder about that, and I feel I need to share this with you this morning. This is just a freebie, so just get ready for this. Do you know that Solomon's mum was Bathsheba? Now on the research that I had done this week, uh, some people believe that this was not, uh, Solomon was not the son that happened in the affair that caused uh, David to commit murder. But that after uh, Bathsheba's husband had died and he had married her, they'd had another child and it was Solomon. So isn't this crazy that no matter the way you were brought about, God has a design and has a significant purpose for your life. People would have said to him, you know, you really should never have been king, Solomon. You should never have been king. Because of David's sin, your mum ended up marrying David and now you are here. But here's the thing. God will use anyone from any situation, any background to build his kingdom. And he can do it in a significant way. So you're looking at this young man and in the middle of this farewell speech from one of the most inspirational people that Israel had ever seen, he turns and he looks at his son right in the eye. And in front of all his leaders, he reads to him, he says, and Solomon, can you imagine if Solomon hadn't have been paying attention? You know, whoop, you know, here it goes, dad's talking to me. He says to him, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors immediately. Everybody say, learn to know. Everybody say, learn to know. The God of your ancestors immediately. Worship and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, Solomon, you will find him, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So take it seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build his temple. As his sanctuary, be strong and do the work. This is my first point this morning. In verse nine, he says, know who you serve. He says to him, and Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors immediately. This is what knowledge does for your life. Here's three quick principles within this first point. Knowledge helps you to defeat the lies Increase effectiveness and increases desire. Hey, Benny boy, the screen's turned off at the top. If you could turn that on for me, that'd be good. So defeat the lies increases effectiveness and increases desire. This is what knowledge does for your life. Let me break that down. Defeat the lies. If you have knowledge of what is true... Anything outside of that you know is not truth because you know the truth. Here's the example that I'd give you. Say someone was to come up to me before the service and they come up to me, hey, Charles, how are you going? I just heard April in the car park swearing her head off. Now, I'm telling you now, I would say to that person straight away, no, you didn't. Because I know April and I know, I don't really ever think I've ever heard of her swear ever. Have you sworn before? Oh, she's lying. You've surely want someone. Come on, please. I'm on the stage. That's a lie. So, um, but I would know that if they would come to me and they would say that I knew, I would know, I would have knowledge of that that was outside of her character. So what happens is that if you have knowledge, David is saying to Solomon, know the Lord of your ancestors. So that way, if anything is outside of that, if people or the devil comes to try and tell lies to your life, try and bring things that aren't of God to you, if you have knowledge of the truth, you know if anything is outside of that, it is not accurate. But you need to know the God. Of your ancestors. Knowledge increases effectiveness. I love going to cafes where you go so regularly to the point that they begin to know your order. They begin to know if they've paid attention to you, you can walk in and they'll say, Oh, you're going to have a piccolo latte again today, sir? Because they know. And because of that knowledge, they are able to serve you more effectively. they I have greater effectiveness because of that knowledge. You know, if I didn't like tomato, I love tomato, but that's all I can think of. If I was to order a sandwich regularly, eventually if they paid attention, they would know because of knowledge of being in relationship with me and community with me that when I come in, this guy doesn't like tomato to the point that I don't even have to say it anymore. They are able to serve me better because they know me. Do you know that when I get home from work, April doesn't need to say anything to me. I just know from a look if I need to engage or I can relax and go and play and you know. I even know from the look who's been causing the drama. Because I have knowledge I am able to serve my family more effectively. But if you don't have that knowledge, you have to work harder. You have to work longer. So he's saying, know the Lord of your ancestors. If you effectively know God, if you know God, it helps you to be more effective when you serve him. It helps you to defeat the lies. But it also increases your desire to serve him. Having knowledge of God increases your desire. Do you know I love my family and I like to serve my family and serve my wife because I know what she does for me. I know what she does. And it's the same with God. Like you just have to read scripture to get a hold of what God has done for your life. Why wouldn't you want to serve him? In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, and this is referring to Jesus, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that, he, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you know because of Christ's work on the cross for me, I am justified before God. I have justification because of what he's done for me. Why wouldn't I want to serve him? He sets me apart. He gives me mercy. He gives me grace. He gives me guidance. He gives me strength. This is the God I serve. This is the God I serve. Why wouldn't I have a desire to serve him? Does anybody know the old school song? I know Nathan Flannery does because we've been singing all day. Do you remember that? What a mighty God we serve. Does anyone know that song? Is it just me? What am I? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. We should bring that one back next week. You know, let us clap and praise the Lord. Come on, there's a classic. But it's true. What a mighty God we serve. Look at what he's done for our life. How can it not increase your desire to serve God? Do you know him? It helps you defeat the lies of the enemy. It helps you serve him more effectively and it increases your desire. This is what happens when you begin to strive for an intimate knowledge of the God you serve. Why wouldn't you want to know him? So I understand in David's first statement to Solomon, he doesn't say, wait on the Lord. He doesn't say, find the Lord. He doesn't say, go to. Because here's the thing, you can know where I'm located at right now, but you might not know me. You could wait on me and still not know me. Knowledge is the first statement that David says to his son. And I believe that that is the fundamental to wanting to serve God. You serve God out of relationship with him, out of knowledge of him. So know who you serve. But I like it because what what, what he's doing is, he then goes on to the second part of verse nine, which is actually how to serve. Because it says there, worship and serve him, everybody say, with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. Serving involves practical application, it involves emotional investment and spiritual maturity. If you're doing it with just a willing mind, but your heart isn't in it, it's very dangerous. That's very dangerous because your heart can be pulled away. You know, think about it. if I use Solomon as an example. Willing mind, heart wasn't in it. You see, initially he prayed to God for wisdom and was given wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom in that scenario, God gave him riches and treasures. But God also gave him guidelines. He said, don't marry other wives because what will happen is that they will pull your heart away from me. So he had the willing mind, but his heart had been pulled away. And that's why the Bible also, or people, theologians also describe him as the wisest fool. You see, you have to have both at play. He's saying to David, serve him with your whole heart and with a willing mind. Because here's the thing. If you do something for me and your whole heart isn't in it, it could potentially make the relationship worse. Because you might allow resent to creep in. You might allow negativity to creep in. So out of that service for God or out of that service, if you're doing it for, for, say, me, if you are helping me out, if your heart is not in line with it, it can actually bring resent to the relationship. So you might be willing to do it, but you know, if someone asked me you know, to move the pulpit, I can either go, this is an awesome opportunity to help out. Or I can go, what a lazy mug. Why well, kicking is right up here, he move the thing himself. But the thing is, it's the same act of service. But a completely different heart. So he's saying to his son, serve him with your whole heart and with a willing mind. It can be the other way around, too. You can have a willing heart, but if you don't allow a discipline. It can, You know, I would have loved to help out, but when I got up in the morning, I was tired. I'll help out next time. If I'm there, it'll be awesome. I will serve. But if you don't have a willing mind and uh, the ability to use discipline to help get you there, both can fall apart. Do you know in Proverbs chapter 4, 23... And this is one of the scriptures that I use to to walk with my life. It says, above all else, above all else, everything that you could think of, it says, guard your heart. Because from it, everything flows. So what he's saying is you need to guard your heart. You need to guard your heart because from it, everything flows. He says, serve him with your whole heart. The atmosphere of your heart plays a massive role then, doesn't it? Because if you serve Him with a whole heart that isn't in the right place, not great. You need to check what's flowing out of you. You know, when you go home this morning, think, hey, what is my attitude towards what I'm doing at work, when I'm serving, when I'm here? Above all else, guard your heart. But if we look at the disciplines, let's look at Jesus. I mean, in Matthew 20, 28, I love it. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus himself, the King of kings, he came to serve and not to be served. And we know that even at some points, his heart was always in it and he always had a willing mind even when it was hard. I mean, we know in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Look, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way that you can change this? Take this cup from me. But nevertheless, I'm ready to do it. Let your will, not mine, be done. A good way to check your heart is whether you suffer from what I like to call the recognition spoiler. Has anybody ever had the recognition spoiler? Let me give you an example. You do a great act of service for someone and have no recognition, and it spoils the whole thing. People laugh because they're like, it's so true, but I can't amen at that point (laughs) because that would be awkward. Or you just give someone a nudge at the appropriate time. I can say it again. Get ready to nudge if you want. But the thing is is that because there is no recognition, it spoils the act of service. I worked so hard. I came in all the time, and because of that, uh, no one recognized it. It, it. What was the point? Well, this is the point. I know that in Matthew 6:18 it talks about that God sees the unseen. Because we've got to look back the fact we are not serving man. We are serving the king of kings. That includes your workplace. That includes when you serve your family. And that includes this house. But I do it. I do everything I do because I want God to see it. And I know that he sees the unseen. So even if I'm the only one, I know that God sees it. But here's the interesting thing is that this can be in an external atmosphere of an act of service which no one else recognizes, but God also looks at the unseen, which can be an internal circumstance, the attitude of your heart. God sees it all. So above all else, guard your heart because from it, everything flows. Dan, I might get you to come up on keys. Point three, know why we serve. I remember at the age of 18 when my uh, youth pastor went and did a church plant. And uh, it it was fantastic at the time. It was also heartbreaking at the time for me because um, a lot of young adults went with him, which was fine. But what happened is within six months as an 18-year-old, I had become the youth leader. And um, I didn't really know what to do. Didn't really know how to go about it, but God had given me one message. It was Jeremiah 29, 11, which we all know talks about that God has a plan that gives us a future and a hope. Know why we serve. Know why we serve. So I used to speak to these kids and say to these kids, God has a plan for your life. It's going to give you a future. And that's all I had. But I would see God do a great work in them. Last week, I was at the service station and there was a man loading ice into the, into the tray of his ute. And I just felt God say, go and help him. So I got out and I just would pass the ice and pass the ice. That was it. And then I went on my way. In both those circumstances, praying with kids and serving someone else for no reason, I felt I was doing what I was created to do. Why do we serve? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Why do I serve? Because God created me to do good works, which He had planned in advance for me to do. God has created you for good works, In advance. Do you know Psalm 139, 14 talks about God's written your days in His book. He's written them all out. In advance. I serve because I was created for it. I was created to be in relationship with God. And how can you be in relationship with someone without service? I was created for good works in advance. He's done it already for you. Why do you serve? It's what you're born to do. So just think about it. When you go home and you're doing those dishes after tea for your family, good work, God created you to be an influence. When you're at work and you might not get the recognition of your boss, but yet you maintain the attitude, people see that attitude, God gets the glory, good works, you were created to do. But I think sometimes that we forget that we are chosen. This is why I love what he says in verse 10. Looks at his son and he says to him, So take it seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. God has chosen you. So be strong. And go and do the work. Do you know one of the greatest inspirational people in my life was my father. I saw my father work in Melbourne when we were living in Geelong. It was a two and a half hour round trip daily. I'd see him get home in the evening. He'd find time for my mom. He'd find time for us. Saturday morning, I'd hear him up early because he was preparing a sermon. Because he was a pastor of a church that was small that couldn't sustain a wage for him. So he'd get up early. He'd prepare the sermon but he'd do it at a period that we weren't awake so that he could engage once we were up. Sunday morning, he'd get up. He'd get there first. He'd do set up. We'd do set up. He'd then be there last, regardless of a large turn up on a Sunday or a small turn up on a Sunday. He took the work seriously because he went from a revelation that God has chosen me to build the house. So in the words of David, I say this to you. I address you as an individual. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you. The Lord has chosen you to build this temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. God has given you the ability to keep going. God has given you the ability to push through. And I'll tell you why. Because He's already written in advance what He's designed you to do. He's created you for it. Therefore, you have the skills and the ability and the anointing to see it through. Because He's chosen you. He's chosen you. So what I'll do this morning, just encourage you all to Stand. I'd like to pray. You might be here this morning and just because of life, sometimes you forget that you've been chosen to have an impact, to serve. Do you know, it's an honour. What an honour. We get to serve the King of Kings And the Lord of Lords. So, this morning, I wanted to talk to you guys about the fact that we need to know the God we serve. We need to know how we serve Him, which is to do with your heart and your mind. Why we serve Him, because He's so good. Why we serve Him, because we were created to do so. But what I want to pray for this morning is I think there are people here that have allowed self-doubt to creep in, that have allowed situations that may not have gone their way to rock their confidence, and that this morning you need to realise, and I want God to just flood into your mind the fact that you are chosen for good works. Your season is not defined by your age. Your season is not defined by your ability. Your season is defined by the fact God chose you. So with every eye closed this morning, why we close eyes is just simply to give everybody in the room a bit more privacy so that between them and God. But what I want to do this morning is I I am telling you that you're chosen. But with every eye closed, I want to encourage you to raise your hand as a sign to God that you accept His call. So if you want to do that, just begin to do so. God, right now in this place with so many hands raised, Lord God, we know that it says in your word that we are your handiwork. You've had your hand of design over our lives. And Lord God, that you chose us in advance to do good works and that sometimes we forget. But Lord God, today we recognize that you chose us and we answer your call. We answer your call. So right now, what I want you to do is to disbelieve. what you need to do is ask God what that call is. So just in your heart of hearts or quietly begin to speak to yourself, ask God, God, what is it that you need me to do? What is it that you've called me to do? Lord God, right now, I just pray as we're submitted to you, as we turn to you, Lord, I pray that as we answer your call and we take a hold of it, you'd begin to reveal to us the plan, begin to reveal to us the steps we need to take. I thank you, Lord God, that after Solomon was charged, the the plans and the drawings were already drafted there. Lord, I pray that in our prayer time, you'll begin to reveal to us what it is we need to do. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to serve you. Help us to know you. We take and we answer your call. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Fantastic. Why don't you just take your seats again just for a minute. As we close uh, this morning, it's obviously the Sunday of the month where we do our missions offering. Now, our missions offering goes to uh, Mark Romeo, who's in um, Italy. He runs the Youth Over Live there. They're seeing breakthrough and salvations all the time. We support him financially and also Matt and Kimbra Smith in Cambodia doing the Destiny Rescue. What a call to have. What a call Look, I just think about their life and their kids. I mean, imagine the goal for the day is to go into the broth- a brothel and steal a child out of slavery so that they can be restored. They can know that they're loved, to know. Um, imagine for the first time a, a child having the foreign feeling of what it is to actually be protected. This is what we give to. You know that this is helping advance the kingdom of God in a country that some of us may never go to. So we're gonna take up that offering this morning. Just want you to give me a wave if you need a credit card slip. I know a lot of people do that. Just if you give a wave, the ushers will come down. But otherwise, uh, if you wanna just take that uh, offering in your hand, the buckets will be on your left-hand side and we'll pass them on. But let's pray. Lord God... I thank you for Matt and Kimbra and Vince. Oh Lord, I thank you that they are serving you. They've heard your call. They have knowledge of you. Lord, I pray that this small amount of finances that we give, that is not small, Lord God. In fact, it is significant. Lord, let it grow. Let it it have greater impact. Let there be more missionaries that this house can give to so that they can have an impact. Lord, I thank you for the country we live in, but I thank you for those that you've sent out. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to grab the bucket, it'll just be on your left-hand side. Pass it straight through. Hey, fantastic. Thank you for coming to church this morning. I pray that you have a good week. Pray that you answer the call. Next week is our community day. So next week is a week where we've invited the guys that built this building We've invited the guys that bought the warehouse off us. Uh, We've invited various people from the community purely for an excuse to get them in the house so that they actually know we're not just here to be a church, but we're here to be a church that looks outward and that we want to engage community. So I'd encourage you this week that somebody that would potentially come to church that might be intimidated by what they would get, this would be an appropriate week for them to come. This will be a week where we will share the gospel, but we'll also engage community practically. It's going to be some fun stuff going on outside. So why don't you grab an invitation on the way out. We've printed up quite a lot of them. And why don't you invite someone this week? Amen? Amen. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, there's coffee and tea out the back. Have a great week. Be blessed. Thanks, brother.
1: Not oh, out there. at <laughs>